If Reality Check Radio enriches your day in life, support us to keep bringing you the content, voices, perspectives, and the dose of reality you won't get anywhere else. Visit www.realitycheck.radio forward slash donate. In 2023, on this program, we talked with Dr. Naomi Wolf twice. Yeah, um, sort of scattered through the year in August, and that was about the COVID pandemic and the increase in totalitarianism in the US and worldwide. And then in November, more recently, the um, human tragedy side of the Israeli-Hamas war, and it was early days then. So Dr. Naomi Wolf is back with us in early 2024. Naomi, it's great to have you back on our program. I hope you're well. Yes, thank you so much for having me back. I am. I hope you're well. I am. It's been kind of warm here. We've just had our national day yesterday. It used to be called New Zealand Day, now called Waitangi Day, named after the place where the treaty that founded the country in 1840 occurred. And that's always a little, you know, um, noisy, let's say, but we got through it okay. So now we're back into the scheme of things. Hard to know where to start because there's so much to catch up on. Let's start in the US. And I've just spent Mm -hmm. a week in California. That was interesting because it's been a while since I've been into the States. Not much has changed on the surface Mm -hmm. anyway. Um, The big story then and now is, and it's been going for a while, the southern border. And Mm -hmm. from this far away, people are wondering why so many people are allowed just to cross the border. What's going on? Yeah, that is a that is a great question, and what's going on is the right um, the right question, of course, because it's it's madness. Um, well, I, I'll tell you what I know. I'm privileged to be around um, my husband Brian O'Shea, who is uh, you know former um, military intelligence, and his co-host JJ Carroll for their podcast Unrestricted Invasion. And JJ is a former border agent. So his sources are right there at the southern border. And he says it's absolute madness that it's like nothing they've ever been trained for. It's the opposite of what they've been trained for, that basically people are just walking, you know, as you can see in the images, right in by the millions. And JJ says alarmingly that um, individuals from terrorist aligned countries or terrorist countries are actually connected to terrorist groups. In the past, they would be immediately arrested, interrogated by the FBI and deported. Um, Now they're just ushered right on into our country. And that's people from Afghanistan, you know, people from Yemen, people, you know, many uh, Chinese nationals. Um, So our enemies are just, you know, sauntering right across our border. I, and I'm the, I would say at this point, I'm the daughter of immigrants. I'm the granddaughter of immigrants. You know, we're a nation of immigrants. Legal immigration is wonderful. That's not what this is. So I can tell you more since, um, since I learned about those issues. I've been doing uh, independent research, and I was actually literally today just writing an essay about this. It's the UN a lot along with the White House. They, there's a, it's unbelievable, there's a $347 million program that the UN is running uh, with stage with USAID and their aligned non-government organizations and with the US State Department. So it's our taxpayer dollars doing this as well as UN funds. And what they've created is this gigantic multi-country staging area with like maps and an app. And at the staging areas, which are called rest stations, or I think they're called restivos, like rest stations, um, respite stations. Um, 
people get, it's like this very systematized process where people get food and money. We're, you know, the, the art article I linked to one of my subjects about the UN program is they're given loaded ATM cards. They're given um, wire transfers to banks in the U S and then all these NGOs kind of usher people through the process. So it's not like the UN in the US is helping people who are haplessly fleeing, you know, their countries and their political prisoners and they're, they've made the journey anyway. No, it's a massive factory to produce unlawful migrants and ship them into the country. And so there there are a couple of things I want people to realize. And then when they get here, it's kind of amazing. It's this this two-tier society is being created in which these folks who are largely from Honduras, El Salvador, China, as I mentioned, um, uh, Colombia, um, uh, alarmingly um, Angola, which is the source of a lot of, you know, mercenaries and like a lot of countries. In, and this is the opposite of a racist thing to say, right? Like we're inhibited from talking about these things on the left because it's like, oh, you racist. Well, no, this is not a racist discussion at all. A lot of these countries don't have the rule of law. You know, they're run by militias um, or they're run by cartels. So you're you're bringing millions of people in who have no uh, knowledge of what it's like to live in a, a, a democracy, basically. And... Um, Anyway, it's this massive importation program, many, many, many countries um, and these clearly marked routes, as I mentioned in the app. And so then they get here and then just a couple of stunning, you know, data points, the money that's being spent is unbelievable. Um, you know, veterans in the U.S. can't get, you know, healthcare appointments for six months, elderly people, you know, are living at subsistence levels. Um our, our New York City just allocated $1.3 billion for three years of housing people in hotels in Midtown. Like, why three years? Like, my grandparents weren't housed by the United States government. You're, you know, your grandparents, you know, like, everyone's grandparents who came here, everyone's parents who came here, they were on their own. You know, the government yeah. didn't say, here's three years of free housing. And... Uh, New York State is asking for 2.4 billion just in 2024 for um, for housing and so on, and that's like, you know, even if you think okay, free housing, whatever. Like what I'm witnessing with my own eyes is this <clears throat> bizarre um, entitlement set of entitlement programs where, you know, people who come are being given scooters and uh, iPads and. Um, you know, phones that are networked and again, loaded ATM cards. And I thought, you know, I hadn't seen this with my own eyes, but I'm almost done. But right near where we're staying in Salem, Massachusetts, there's a it's really beautiful little um, kind of supermarket in an area where um, migrants are being kind of housed. And it's got fresh produce and seafood and, you know, meat and delicious things, cheeses. And it's kind of a food desert where we are, you know, the nearest supermarket is miles away. So I walked in and I'm like, can I shop here? They're like, no, you can't. And I'm like, why can't I shop here? And they said, because you have to have these specific benefits that these immigrants wow. are given. Okay. And then, wait, that's not it. Then you can order DoorDash. 
it, that's a service in the U.S. where they drop off yeah, your food. We got it. You yeah, have no. your free food delivered to your free house on taxpayer money with DoorDash if you don't want to leave the house. Okay, so well, where do you start to try and unpack all that? That sounds like a threat, first of all, to national security fundamentally. Oh. So how could that ever happen? How could how could that ever happen? Well, that's – I mean, people really have to wrap their brains around the implications. This isn't like, you know, I'm not an old white native born man shaking my fist going, oh, these foreigners, you know, they're going to ruin our country. That's not what this is about. Um, People have to understand that the UN is not supposed to make war on sovereign nations. You know, they're not supposed to break the laws of sovereign nations. They're supposed to be an arbiter platform that convenes sovereign nations to, you know, create agreements and deal with issues and so on. So what we've got right now is the United Nations, a multinational entity, literally deciding to break all the laws of the United States related to immigration and to proactively ship 14 million people into the U.S., you know, illegally. That's what happened. So the U.N. is, you know, targeting a superpower. They're not shipping 13 million people to Russia or China, which is very interesting. They're shipping them to the U.S. So that's huge and very scary because the U.N. is, you know, has very deep pockets and their own, you know, military (laughs) and, you know, war is being waged on us basically by an entity that's never waged war before, to my knowledge, on a sovereign nation. I guess the other thing is um, it's, well, it's an invasion, right? It's an it's an act of war. And we have a hostage White House, as you know, I believe, because we've talked about it on your show. Yeah. I think that um it's more than a national security risk. I think I think from having been in a lot of conflict areas that what's happening is people are being shipped to very sensitive um locations in the US, like airports, right? And, you know, in the midtown Manhattan where 9 million people live, right? And so think about the havoc that was caused when a handful of Palestinians in Gaza breached the southern border of of Israel, the catastrophic nightmare. You've now got 14 million people, you know, some of them like in an airport. They're being housed in Chicago O'Hare Airport. That's such a sensitive location. You know, there's an airfield in Brooklyn where hundreds are being housed and you can't go near it. Um, I've never seen this before. Like immigrants. So so why? Okay. Airports know the activity that go around airports. It's obvious, but you know, weaponizing, how does that fit in then thinking about invasion, the strategic Mm -hmm locations right you just referenced uh the the hamas attack mm. are we is this sort of mixing up to what i think it is and that is basically people in place ready exactly exactly bring something and but something you know, big if you're talking 14 million i mean that's three times the population of our country almost yeah i mean look you know as i always try to explain to people history is usually both and, right? You know, maybe half these people or 80% of them are real refugees. Although honestly, I've never seen refugees look the way they look. And I've been in refugee camps. Well, too healthy, too healthy. They're all in their 20s. 
Yeah. You see no elderly people, no one's disabled, no one's in a you know, no one's struggling to move. Um, you know, massive flow. Actually, these programs are targeting youths, teenagers, right? So horrible trafficking, I'm assuming. Males over females? Well, the images I see are like 70% males, right. but the women are like everyone's really healthy looking, you know, and ref and and confident looking. And refugees, I mean, this may be a really I don't mean it to be a cruel thing to say. I think it's compassionate, but every refugee camp, every refugee transit, you know, movement I've ever seen, people are scared and um immigrants generally to this country are hopeful and want to fit in and want to be part of America or they want to raise their kids, you know, as part of the culture. That's not what I'm seeing here. I, you know, Brian has pointed, who's a soldier has pointed out that the people who are coming over the border are mar marching in cadence, you know, like marching like soldiers. Yeah. Like and they, some kind of training or um, exactly aware, and they, aware of that. Yeah. Sorry to speak over you. And, and a lot of them have like military style haircuts and, they are fit as heck. Yeah. And, you know, some of them are, when they stand, they stand at what Brian has identified as parade rest, you know, and you can wow. like identify <laughs> these images where he could identify, like, here's the commander and the soldiers are relating to the commander, the way soldiers mm. relate to the commander. So um, yeah. that's really scary. And, and I, I guess I just really want to stress, like, what if, 95% of everyone are just people looking for a better life. And and 5% of 18 million people are strategic terrorists. It only took 20 to bring down the twin towers, you yeah, know, like, yeah. like, but, but I guess what I'm trying to say is the terrorists who did the most horrible things in America or in Israel or around the world, they do it against the state. It looks like these people have the facilitation of the United Nations and the U.S. State Department in a treasonous. Uh, okay, so so something has to give. You would expect that um, that uh, the White House, the State Department, would would be doing everything to stop this. That doesn't seem to be happening. So I think we talked about the China connection um, last time. Is that what you're alluding to when you we're talking about an outside force? here or, or a colluding force that's kind of pushing this on your country and whoever is doing that has something on the white house right is stopping them from throwing everything and stopping it i mean i hate to be this person but it's bigger than that right you've oh. got to you've got to visualize the united nations yeah. working with USAID and the United States State Department with White House policy in three countries, Honduras, El Salvador, and Guatemala, and to bring all these people in from 114 countries. Well, when you say the United Nations, we're part of the United Nations, and I, I, we aren't involved in this, but, but who or what in the United Nations? Well, this is, I mean, the United Nations has its own bureaucracy, right? And yeah. it's so it's not like member states. It's not like, oh, Australia, you know, member of the United Nations. No, this is pure UN program. Gotcha. Like UNRWA. I'm sorry, it's UNRWA. So it's the part of the UN that deals with refugees. But what I'm trying to say is they're aligned in this policy of having created a super highway through three countries 
funded by hundreds of million dollars with the White House's full buy-in and co-funding to ship these people in, giving them help, support, money, food, every step of the way. So the White House then is kind of the enemy within. Mm-hmm. Gee. Yeah. The White House is, it's like, well, it's like um, when Aaron Burr colluded with the British, he was a famous traitor of ours, in the revolutionary era. The White House is a traitorous entity colluding with um, a, an outside supranational force, the UN, that wants to destroy America. And the, I guess the last thing I'll say, and then I'll stop, this is actually the first interview I've done about this. I've been doing the research all day. Um yeah. I mean, about in this kind of detail is I don't think it's just um, physical attacks that are or drains, you know, what you're getting is this huge drain on our resources, yeah. Yeah. burning up money through people um, and a lot of money laundering. Right. Because like DoorDash and Amazon are being used to provide the services for people. Um, I mean, the New York Post has a story about these immigrants in a midtown hotels and they're just ordering amazon all day long and the government is paying for it yeah so they're not going to object right so it's a giant boondoggle for these corporations but what i think you have to think about is the culture and again this is an anti-racist thing to say if you have like 10 million people have a good night um you know going from sweden to ghana you know there goes ghanaian culture you know it's 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 not manageable, you know. If you have fourteen million people, as I mentioned, from all different cultures that don't, you know, that think homosexuals should be, you know, tortured and imprisoned in the case of Egypt, or that don't think women should have equal rights in the case of Saudi Arabia, you've you've got a, a, a shattering of North American values and culture that have taken two hundred years to to reach that level of human rights equality freedom of speech and so on. You And that's what they want to get rid of. Wow. I don't know how you undo that without there being a lot of broken eggs to make the omelet or whatever the term is. That sounds sort of freaky. It's scary. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, the and- average American citizen, are they aware? Because I was watching, well, I was in California for a week and I always enjoy watching the media, you know, the mainstream mm-hmm. media. There was hardly any talk of this, and I knew that it was a big issue. Totally. You're anticipating, like, my the next thing I'd wanted to say, which is exactly not, like, the legacy media literally is not mentioning this, except as, you know, the Republicans are exaggerating. Yeah. There's no New York Times or Time Magazine reporters at the border reporting on this hugest story in America. Um, it's all like, you know, alternative media or like Steve Bannon or, you know, podcasters um, or Brett Weinstein, you know, it's like people who just like go there to witness it. Um, So alternative media knows about it and people are freaked out. Um, And there's really good reporting going on, but someone like my mom is my bellwether for kind of people who watch NPR and read the New York times. And she literally had no idea. And she's a big Biden supporter. And I told her and she was absolutely horrified and it completely changed her view of the election. But if they, they don't know, there's a bubble around the knowledge. So I want to jump from that to, and uh, there is a connection here because 
Trump's big thing first time round was the wall. It sounds like that was the very sensible policy. Um, and he's well on the comeback. And I see lawfare is raging again. Uh, the judge in his um, in his uh, uh, fraud case is demanding more details, possible perjury by um, the Trump organization CFO. So that carries on. Uh, there's the E. Carroll case that's so bizarre um and um and and all sorts of other things so the lawfare is is raging so is he the handbrake potentially for all of what we've just been talking about or can he even make it um under this level of attack will he be taken out oh i mean i hate to you know he's a human being so i hate to ever speculate about someone else's assassination but um Look, you know, the globalists are showing their hands, I think, at this point. They, they'll they do anything to stop him. And yep. they, they'll do anything to stop his lawyers. They'll do anything to, you know, they try to jail Steve Bannon. <laughs> they yeah. try to call Tucker Carlson a traitor. I mean, they'll do anything to stop this train. I because the game's up otherwise, isn't it? Totally. So there's a and they're huge all- amount of stuff. They're all going to jail or like some of these are capital offenses, you know, like treason is a capital offense in our country. Yep. Wow. Actually the electric chair, but yes, (laughs) or, or lethal injection. But um, these are serious crimes, you know, if, if by, if uh, Biden does not win, if, and there's some talk that Michelle Obama will step in to be the candidate. How how likely, uh, I mean, that sounds a bit, remote but i mean who knows anything's possible possibly these days is that, is that a possibility i mean i do think it's a possibility because biden is barely able to articulate a sentence and the dnc i think wants him to step aside um i, I look i think they're frantic i mean i read them as frantic they don't have a bench they don't no one likes gavin newsom like you know their their guy is barely functioning you know 60 percent of people think the country's going in the wrong direction um trump gets like 20 points more credit for handling the economy i mean it's it's a catastrophe you know and trump's just opening out his lead i personally think he should tap rfk jr as his running mate um so i've been advocating for that i think that would be an force um they're going to try to cheat again uh i think that they the whole drumbeat about disease X and, you know, definitely these cartels, what I expect is not an assassination, you know, God forbid of president Trump, but what I expect is a crisis, you know, in May, probably when the WHO wants to pass its treaty and, or in, you know, leading up to September, October, of course, in some sort of mass cartel attack or a hostage taking situation or, you know, something or release of disease X, something that will allow the headlines to say, don't go outside, you know, and then they can cheat again. So that's mm-hmm. my fear, which is why independent media is so important and skepticism is so important. And then you've got um, Ukraine and that. It's obvious what's happened there. Right. The Ukrainians have lost and half a million people are dead. So that's possibly sheets home some pretty serious consequences for those who've been pushing that too. So let's just lay it up on this as well, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know about that. Um, 
I feel like at least in America that the paper trail of Ukraine is so murky that I, I think it's going to be hard to hold anyone accountable. Um, we're just sort of treating it like, oh, those Europeans will just send them money for war. You know, like there's no, if, if people have done bad things, it's very hard to find out exactly who and, and what, um, but it's, you know, it's a horrible policy, but you know, people, people support it. I mean, the, Democrats totally support the war. And I well, that's because they're all brainwashed with um, the, um, you know, the Trump and um, Russia, Russia, Russia thing. That, that was a great uh, on-ramp to programming people to now hold the views they And again, hardly mentioned on your mainstream media. A um, couple of things just to wrap up with. I want to get your view on what are your observations um, as, as we see what the farmers are doing in Europe. Well, I'm kind of worried about the farmers, I must say. Um, mm. You know, on the one hand, it's very, it seems very, you know, bracing and, and wonderful that there's popular resistance. On the other hand, my, you know, I started out this conversation with you saying people really need to understand that history especially these days is usually both and so my worry it's like getting weird right it's getting weird the way that all this conflict at the border is getting weird and all these people being shipped to airports in america are getting weird well the farmers are taking airports and going to borders and surrounding paris so paris doesn't have food for three days or in three days and like they're very military movements even if the farmers don't think they're part of a military operation. So I'm just honestly worried that, uh, you know, globalists kind of either enlisted or infiltrated the farmers un unwittingly. Like Brian has taught me a lot is done through unwitting assets, quote unquote, people who have no idea they're part of a larger agenda. It, it could so easily be like when you, why would farmers want to block the border between two countries? You know, like why would they turn on supermarkets i mean arguably but really they're 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 turning on the things that allow people to resist um and so i'm worried that people can in europe in these countries can be isolated and go hungry and anything can be done to them because that's just not a good place to be in what is a war you know you worry they could be being set up as is kind of what you're saying Without or or, yeah, or infiltrate yeah. infiltrate let's starve paris or let's block the you know let's grab the airports let's grab the i mean all of these things like this is how the um this is how like estonia and lithuania and latvia uh were freed actually so there's precedent for these things being part of a, a genuine populist resistance right they they got the airport and they got the state radio station and they blocked everything. They blocked the highways. I love that resistance. It's called the singing revolution. Um, and, you know, down came the Soviet Union in those countries, like in a matter of days, as I recall. Um, yeah. So it could be awesome, but it also, when you're trying to take out a country, you get the airport, you get the radio station, you block the borders, you seal the borders. So it's it just it worries me that it's so perfectly executed because organic populist movements just aren't that flawless, you know. 
What about spraying manure? Is that a military tactic? Oh, wow. I mean, I kind of love it, but if it's an organic populist movement, those people would be arrested immediately. And instead, yeah. it's being allowed to yeah. unfold. You know. Last uh, quick thing, and maybe next time we talk, we can we can talk about the Middle East. But that's huge, so we'll leave that till next time. Um, everyone's anticipating. In fact, I think he's come out and confirmed that that uh, Tucker has that Tucker Carlson will be interviewing Putin. What do you think could happen here? It's great. I mean, God bless Tucker Carlson for being a journalist. You know, like this this man is just demonized and demonized. And maybe he is Satan, but you know, let him speak for himself. When I the rare times I really heard his speeches, he makes a lot of good points. You know, I don't necessarily want him to be my tyrant, mm. but yeah. you know, we, we used to live in a an open society in which you would inter like Barbara Walters interviewed Putin, you know, like you would go interview Imelda Marcos. You would like you would just interview, you know, uh, I mean, they interviewed um the uh terrorists be, you know affiliated with 9-11. And like that's what journalists do. They get the story. So I I think it's ridiculous that he's being called names. He's acting like a real journalist and we're grown-ups and we can decide for ourselves, you know what the value of Putin, what Putin has to say is. It's wonderful. Hootie Poo, as I think uh, Bush referred to him, or, or someone, SNL maybe, referred to him as that. Um, <laughs> nice to catch up with you again, Dr. <laughs> Naomi Wolf. Hopefully we can talk again soon and, and talk more about the Middle East. But in the meantime, uh, uh, great to kick off the year uh, talking about the the topics we've just been uh, talking Thank about. Thank you. And may I, may I share with your audience that my book, my new book is Facing the Beast, Courage, Faith, and Resistance in a New Dark Age, and they can get it on Amazon. My publisher wants me to be sure to say that. Cool. Thanks so much. We'll talk again soon, hopefully. Loving what you're hearing? Well, the establishment hates it. And right now, they're conjuring up new ways to try and censor RCR. To ensure you never miss a beat of the hard-hitting news you've come to know and love, make sure you're on the RCR mailing list. Get connected now at realitycheck.radio forward slash email.